Welcome to this episode of Speak with Brandy B. Love. Today, we have Brooke Barlow with us. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you today. Um, first question, which is sort of the theme of today's show, is what makes your heart sing? You could mm-hmm. also approach that as like, what gives you joy? Mm-hmm. I think there's so many things, but the most thing that brings me joy and makes my heart sing is connection connection with others, deep connection, even just seeing other people connect. And it's just such a beautiful thing. Um, I love connection. Even through coaching, I get to connect with new people and help guide them towards towards their soul purpose. That brings me so much joy. Mm, I love that. I also feel that from coaching. It's it's really nice. Like, I think when I started coaching, I, I was under this assumption of like, I'm just here to help people. But there's just so much transformation and connection and you said joy. Yes. Uh, What is your focus in your coaching? Mm -hmm. So I want to help young adults who aren't sure exactly maybe what they want to do for their career, but want to make their purpose their career and learning through the way how to let go of limiting beliefs and deal with difficult emotions. When I was younger, I never had the techniques I have now on how to deal with my emotions, so I suppress them a lot. So that's something that I want to bring to my coaching is teaching people ways to deal with their anxiety, to deal with their stress, so they can actually come in tune with their emotions and not have to hide away from them. I love that. So basically, over the years, you've created this toolbox of techniques to help yourself, and now you want to share that with others. Yes, exactly. That's so perfect. Outside of coaching, what are some things that you like love to do that make you feel whole? Mm. Like what excites you? I'm super playful. So I love just like being feeling free. Like I'll run on the beach and just open my arms and let the wind hit me. I also love doing yoga and meditation. I I am a homebody, so I am home a lot, but when I can get out in nature and just be free, that is my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of nature too. It's kind of funny to me when people <laughs> are scared of nature. I'm like, what? We're nature. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so freeing. It mm. is. Do you do you find that like when you were describing this, it made me think of a mm-hmm. child, but like in a really good way. Um, and I think about this concept a lot is like as children, we wander around and explore things and we wonder, like we're super excited to find out what makes things tick. Um, Do you feel like you still embody that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Sometimes I feel like I'm just like a child still in a grown-up body. Like, I love just being curious and finding new things. Like, if it's raining outside, I'll run outside and jump in all the puddles Mm -hmm. like a little kid. It just brings me so much joy. How do you think we can... I'm the same way. And I think, I feel if everybody, maybe not everybody, but if more people did this, we could have more joy and abundance just in the world in general and less stress. Um, what do you think ways are to encourage people to to do that and kind of like get outside of their box mm-hmm. and or why don't people like, do you think there's shame there or um, mm-hmm. they're worried about what people think? Yeah, I think definitely maybe some shame or worried about what people think. Maybe they didn't have that playfulness as a child. So maybe they're not comfortable stepping in it to it now. Um, For me, I think really to embody it more is show up without judgment, show up for your inner child and run freely in the rain, jump in the puddles, run on the beach with your arms open and let the wind hit you, but do it without judgment, do it with 
being in the present moment and really just tuning into all the beautiful things that are around us all the time. Yeah, definitely. I I know even when I'm watching other people do it, it gives me joy. Like I giggle a little. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, yes. It's just like a moment of like, I feel so powerful in those moments. Like I feel like nothing else in the world matters except this moment right here. And it's just this overwhelming feeling of gratitude that I feel. And it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah, I feel that way too. I think there's just so much comfort that can come from letting go, like just Mm -hmm. so much peace of self. And the thing that came up as I was, as I was listening to you is I'm like, oh yeah, I giggle when I watch these people, right? So then I was, that brought me to laughter. So how much they say, I think it's like two or 400 times a day, a child laughs and an average adult, it's like 10. Um, These are just sort of estimates from what I remember this article I read. What role does laughter play in your Mm -hmm. life? Question. I, as a kid, I used to laugh all the time. I feel like now as I grew older, I don't laugh as much. And now that you're bringing it up, I'm really having that realization of, I need to laugh more. I need to just (laughs) laugh and let go more. Sometimes I could be so caught up in everything that's going on that I have like this serious mode that just comes on. And I think sometimes I just need to remember like just to laugh just to mm. be playful in those moments. Yeah, I love laughter for that, that idea that we can be playful when maybe we're not in a playful setting per se. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm sitting at my desk working, if I can find something to laugh at, just something simple, even if it's laughing at myself, like I found that, oh, yeah. I can do that whole negative self-talk, like you're so stupid for doing this. Why did you make that little mistake? But I can transmute that and turn that around and just be like, whatever. Because I'm human. That's why yes. I did it. And kind of like laugh it off and lighten it up. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, I saw this, maybe even six years ago at this point, but I was looking at meditation and I was adverse to meditation at that point because I had this stereotype in my head that I had to sit cross-legged and have my fingers held in a certain position. And if any thoughts came in my brain that I was doing it wrong and I completely think about it differently now. Um, there's so many ways to meditate, but when I was starting to learn about it, I found this laughter, um, this laughter, like meditation and laughter Mm -hmm. yoga. And it's where there's nothing to laugh about, but you're literally just forcing yourself to laugh in a group of people, or you can do it by yourself, but you're forced to laugh. But then as you do that, you kind of start laughing at yourself and at the situation and the joy in it. And you do this for like a 20 minute practice. It's so invigorating. I love that. I've never tried that. Could we try a little shorted version on here? <laughs> that sounds great. So <laughs> let's just let go and start laughing. Okay.
my God, like I did a workout <laughs> and I have a little bit of teary eyes. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> it's sort of hard to stop now. I know, once you start. <laughs> I noticed we almost started laughing in unison like breath work. Yes. I love that. At first, the first couple seconds of laughing I was really uncomfortable and then I just completely let go and I was like I still want to laugh right now I just feel <laughs> like you know that was amazing uh, thank you that was so good to participate in together <laughs> it, uh, that that nervousness I had it too and then mm -hmm. I was like but she's doing it I'm gonna do it and yes. <laughs> it reminds me so I did a fire walk once and part of the preparation to walking on fire is you did some really like deep communal work and we're really vulnerable I think it was a group of like 20 or 30 of us somewhere in between mm -hmm. there and we we were sharing you know just things that we were burdened with and wanted to like grow and work through did you know some deep shadow work and one of the things that we did was we'd have an arrow like not a sharp arrow but a blunt arrow up to our neck and the other side of the arrow, the side with the feathers would be held. Um, there's a board with like a little circle in it and be held by the facilitator. And you would like walk through the thing you wanted to get rid of this limiting belief that you had. And so you would, everybody would chant for you. You'd pick like an animal or something and they would either make the noise of that animal or just say the name of the animal or bird or whatever. And then you would just take like a warrior step forward into it. And the first few times I tried, I like kept bouncing backwards. I just like wasn't willing to do it. I had resistance. And then I didn't. It was amazing. And that was just like great. But then there was um, an exercise that we did where there was rebar, which mm -hmm. is like that. You do know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's like very strong. <laughs> it mm -hmm. helps build buildings. It was two people. And I kind of had a similar feeling here. I mean, what happened was, is that we both had, we each had a limiting belief. We were trying to work through our trauma mm -hmm. and we held each side of the rebar up one side on my neck and one side on her neck with a little rubber cap for safety. We had to push to try to bend the rebar. And we thought, oh my gosh, this, I found out later she was thinking the same thing. So we both thought mm -hmm. this, but in the silence of that moment, like, I don't know if we're going to do it, but I need to stand here to do it with this person. Mm -hmm. I need to help this person do this. And I need it for myself. When we both wanted to give up, we pushed just a little bit harder. And the next thing I know, we were in each other's arms and the rebar was on the floor in the shape of a U. Wow. That is so beautiful. It was amazing. You could feel the molecules start to move. Oh my goodness. Wow. Love that. I think that has to go like with connection too, as trusting, even though I'm not familiar with your relationship, if you knew that person before, but just trusting in that connection of you both leaning in on it. That was a really good point. And I didn't know her before, but we stayed connected for many mm -hmm. years afterward. And a lot of people that went to that fire walk was for the purpose of like rekindling their relationship in their marriage or their work yeah. life or 
their own relationship with themselves through mm. like having illnesses and whatnot. But why it reminded me is that moment when I was nervous and the laughter and just mm-hmm. doing it, making myself and then, and then like, oh, but she's doing that too. Like, we're going to keep doing this for each other. Mm-hmm. And then it became just so connected feeling and yes. the laughter became really authentic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. For Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And I think it, it goes to show a little bit of the ripple effect too. Like when you see someone else doing it, you're like, okay, it makes me feel a little more comfortable being able to do it. Like you laughing, it gives me permission. Okay, let's laugh. Let's get out of my comfort zone and just laugh. And then you get so into that present moment and it just creates such a beautiful connection. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. I've been thinking about that in terms of my social media lately as well. It's mm-hmm. just like, do I approach my social media as just a place to show myself and what you know what I do professionally and the spirit work that I want to do I was like you know I'm kind of like bored with that and although I'll do that it felt a little more salesy than I like a little less authentic so I've started to implement what gives me joy what do I like doing and just putting myself up like today I'm going to post about the time that I did indoor skydiving oh yeah it was it was cool and it's like It was scary, but Mm -hmm. it was safe. So that's really helpful because you're not Mm -hmm. just jumping out of a plane, which I think we talked about skydiving Mm -hmm. before. But um, it was was just something fun or making um, a a meal that's a little outside of Mm -hmm. the box or whatever it is. And I was talking with one of my clients the other day. This particular client has an amazing skill set for art there's this battle as an artist, I think of like, do I need to monetize this or can I just do this? And it really got me thinking about my own self and I do, I cook professionally as well as coach. And sometimes I'm just doing it for the purpose of selling an event, mm-hmm. but I love, I love food. That's why I got into this. So realizing that it can be my spiritual practice. And that's what I was speaking with her about. It's just this idea that like anything that gives us joy that's part of our soul's purpose doesn't need to necessarily be monetized it can be something Mm. that's literally a spiritual practice for us yes I love that and I think that's so important I think so many people nowadays think a spiritual practice has to look like sitting down and doing that meditation or that breath work or that yoga but it can really be all these different things like you just mentioned it's really whatever brings us joy and then we can make that our own ritual in our own way yeah exactly I was, as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about Sahara too and her DJing. Mm-hmm. She's really em- embodies that idea yeah. that like this is, or, or dance or whatever, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, that's not where the bulk of her career is coming from, mm-hmm. but it's just, oh, this is an interest. I don't have to deny it. I don't have to put it on the back burner. I also just don't need to necessarily share the whole world. Yes. And I think it's a great reminder that we are multi-dimensional beings with so many different passions and we don't have to just go down one category. Like us coaches, we don't just have to do coaching. Like for you, you do cooking and all this other stuff. So it's finding a priority of things that bring us joy. Yes. Yes. Which is so interesting to me too. I'm really glad you said that because I think that's the key to why so many people do feel stuck because they put themselves in boxes because society has Mm. told us that that's what we need Mm -hmm. to do, but we don't need to do that. We can like break outside of that mold. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think a huge part of, for me, of finding my own joy was breaking out of that box and realizing, oh, I don't have to go the traditional way. I can do what makes me happy and do many things. It doesn't have to just be dialed down to one specific thing. Yes. I was thinking about that too. I was speaking with a friend about this and the idea of if you do something that's outside of that box and maybe, you know, either pioneering or fringe, just something different than what societal norms are, oftentimes you'll get feedback from those that you love or your acquaintances or whatnot, just kind of discouraging you, but from the place of, of love where they, they fear for you. Mm. And, and, and why is that? And I, I think it's because they, they think it's unsafe, mm. um, but it's also really unsupportive. And so it, it comes to me as like, when I want to attract clients, I want clients that are ready to break that mold. How do you give them the support? Like what support structure do you give them to, to know? Because this can be hard. What if everybody in their, in their circle mm-hmm. is like, don't do that. But they know inside of themselves that it's the right choice to make a change. Mm-hmm. Has that come up for you at all with, with clients or friends? Yeah, yeah, or definitely. Your own self? <laughs> yeah, it definitely has. And I think the big thing is, um, this happened with someone that I know on um, one of my clients that I'm working with is they really wanted to pursue music, but their family didn't really want them to go in that route. They wanted to do more finance, accounting, whatever makes you money type thing. Mm-hmm. And he decided, you know, music is my passion. And I think it's really just listening to your own heart and not everyone else's voices or everyone around you. It's tuning into your own heart and seeing, okay, this is what brings me joy. And then taking the action and actually following that. And I think that's the scariest part, but that's where just everything sparks and where all the magic happens. So just believing in yourself and really listening to your heart instead of all the people around you or the criticism. Yeah. I think that's where the ability to live in abundance really starts. Yes. Is that trust in yourself, even though it's hard. I think for me, one thing that did help, and I, the first time I realized this was about my dad, because he was like very discouraging every time I wanted to like take a risk, even though, even though every time I did, things turned out fine, but I realized that it did, it came out of this protection. And so we could talk about love languages. Like that's his love language is Mm -hmm. to tell me not to do something because he doesn't want me to, you know, hurt. So we've definitely grown since then. Mm-hmm. And he knows that that's not my love language. Um, so we worked through that, but it really helped me to learn that, that people just kind of remembering that if somebody has a criticism of it or says it's a bad idea, it's not that it necessarily is, but they just might be placing their worry, their mm-hmm. own fears, their own unwillingness to step outside of the matrix, so to speak on yeah. you or your clients. Mm-hmm. And how would baby steps. How, yeah. How do you think that, us as coaches can encourage people to really listen to their heart and follow their truth and not what others are telling them to do. One of the things is, and it's not to say you can't take a big leap. Like I've taken mm-hmm. big leaps, but if you're not used to that yet, and that ha- you don't have some experiences under your belt where that's gone well, and you can like lean back on that is to take baby steps, like try something that's a little bit outside of the box. You can kind of start to create muscle memory, so to speak through these experiences, like, oh, I did that and it went okay. So like, let's say you want to, whatever, we'll take extreme adventure for example. 
instead of something like completely life-changing, even though that is. Let's say that you want to jump out of an airplane. Maybe you do indoor skydiving first, or maybe you want to be able to be unafraid of heights. And, and it's been encouraged in you that like, you should be scared of that. You know, you're so-and-so fell off a mountain and died and, you know, your family never wants you to rock climb outside, but you want to go to El Cap and climb it one day, start with an indoor gym, start with something that's, that's safe. And even I'm sure they put very naysayers to that too. No, just start, do it, accomplish it, understand that you are safe. And I think something like this in particular analogy is you really build up trust with yourself mm. and that's ultimately it. And then the other thing, which is more from like a, I don't want to say spiritual, but like a mental, emotional way to go about it is who, who do you have to answer to in the end? Like if mm. you were on your deathbed, are you going to be happy that you listened to everybody else's dreams? This is your life. Yeah. Wow. That is powerful. Love that. Little baby steps, diving into your fear. And that gives you that trust of, okay, I can do this. And then those little baby steps lead to bigger steps. Absolutely. How would you answer that question? What what, mm-hmm. what advice or kind mm-hmm. of practice would you invite your client to go through? Probably what I did personally, which was get uncomfortable doing the uncomfortable. Mm. I struggled with generalized anxiety disorder my entire life. So everything made me so anxious and it stopped me from doing it. And even before our call, I was like so nervous. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't do it. I'm so scared to speak my voice. But I'm like, no, this is making me uncomfortable. So I'm going to dive into that. And then once I experienced that, I'm in the experience, I'm like, okay, I'm safe. What what the heck was I afraid of? You know? So it's really just getting comfortable doing the uncomfortable, getting Mm. yourself in those uncomfortable situations. And then you start to get more comfortable over time as you do them more often. Mm. Ah, thank you for getting comfortable with the uncomfortableness (laughs) of being here today. I, I really resonate with that. And I'm just, I'm really thankful that you showed up and are here mm-hmm. and then we got uncomfortable together laughing yes yes <laughs> I'm so grateful for you and just meeting you and getting a connection with you and then you inviting me to be on your podcast I'm really filled with gratitude and I appreciate you so much I really feel the same for you I'm honored that you said yes and stepped out of that comfort zone it's so nice chatting with you today um, I wanted to ask you if our listeners want to find you somewhere, where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, my Instagram is blissfulbrook here. And then you can find me also on my website, which is www.blissfulbrook.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful week. And Thank you. You. you too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Such a great call. Brooke is awesome. Thank you all for listening. Tune in next week. I might have another special guest. We'll see. Have a wonderful Sunday, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.